0: Hello and welcome to the DEVELOP podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ben Gilbert and I'm hosting a series of episodes which explore how the Salvation Army is working within different communities around the world. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Elise Belcher, who is currently working in the Sweden Development Office and previously has worked in the international headquarters in London. Okay, so let me get my notepad. Right. I haven't actually got anything written on it. But... <laughs> Proper journalist, I no. <laughs> Elise has extensive experience working with territories across Africa and supporting the work of community development. We recorded this before the coronavirus pandemic, but some of the things she touched on about how the Salvation Army is globally positioned in order to respond to disasters is particularly relevant during this time. Right, thank you, Elise. Thank you for spending some time with us on no this podcast. Um, what I thought it would be interesting, just to just chat with you about your experience in IHQ. We were both working there together, weren't we?
1: Happy days, Ben.
0: Happy days, yeah, <laughs> back in the day. How many? Four years, I think, wasn't it? I was TV? there
1: for six. You were um, there for six years, okay. A couple of years before you started,
0: yeah. Four years together. and um, So I thought it would be interesting just to do just a quick episode on... role of IHQ what's your background with the Salvation Army how did you get into that role in in IHQ
1: yeah so I grew up in the Salvation Army for a few years maybe from when I was about 10 to to about 18 um a junior soldier (laughs) flugelhorn player in the wifey band all of that stuff it's great and um and then went off to university and then subsequently uh moved to Uganda for a few years and then came back to the UK to do my master's Um, but it was when I was studying my master's um, that I met someone who worked for the Salvation Army Uh, and that person was Damaris Frick who coordinates international emergency response for the Salvation Army at IHQ Uh, and we became really good friends uh, and she was the one who pointed the job description of the international coordinator to me when um, we were studying together and said you would be a great fit for this job apply and I did
0: so, an international... so I blame her Yeah, you blame <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the, one of the questions I commonly get here in the UK territory is why international development or anything to do with an international project mm-hmm. isn't just handled by IHQ what's UK territory or another yeah. territory got to do with it. How how do the two sit by sit by side by side, and what's what's ihq's role?
1: Well, I think to answer the first part of that question is what's the role of this the supporting territory. So, for example, UK, you can easily just say funding, um, and there's a huge amount of um, opportunity, and and I think in some ways for the Salvation Army because it's one organisation around the world. Um, yeah there's a responsibility to raise funds for people that don't have uh money or opportunity to do the same wherever they are but i think second to that um there's a massive amount of learning that can take place because of that so it's not just the kind of a post office if we raise the funds and send them out i think um it's really important that the more people are involved in this kind of beautiful picture of international work um the more you can learn from it the more you can therefore make uh your um your initiatives with different countries even better because of that they'll have more impact um and it really is a kind of joint operation between lots of different people in the world i think the the question of what's the role H- of ihq is much harder because um I'm not sure anyone can easily answer that there are there is a mandate and things on the international website if people want to look but um I think it's important in because of the way the salvation army is set up um where every country really is is registered to its own um so like here we're kind of connected to the charity commission in the UK so there is some legal entity that will register the Salvation Army in every country so in the one sense every territory uh, or country of operation for the Salvation Army is independent so you do need that kind of neutral middle body and I think IHQ, whilst people argue over what that neutral body should look like um, I do think there's a really strong role for it in terms of you know, uh, setting a standard of work so that makes sure the Salvation Army can be the best that it can be. Um, offering additional support where there are challenges and problems and, and you kind of need um, a bit of negotiation and all of that. Um, but also, because you've got so many different uh, countries and people and culture and loads going on, you you there is a role for someone in the middle of all that to be the coordinator and just kind of mm. make sure... Have you talked to that person? Oh, this person's doing something similar. Could we connect you? Yeah. So I do think the UK office and other supporting um, territories, uh, IHQ, and then uh, countries that um, are delivering international development work, I think they all have a unique role to play, even though it can get messy at times.
0: Yeah. So in your role, you are obviously overseeing the Africa zone mm-hmm. for community development. Uh, you did an awful lot of traveling. I remember yes. you were out of the office a lot, yes. um, and as I, as I was as well, um, traveling around Asia. But are there any particular highlights during during those six years that really stand out in your mind about experiences that you saw or people that you met? Anything that really stands out?
1: I think um, there was it was amazing. I traveled to twenty two countries um, just inside of Africa. Um, yeah, incredible, as well as lots of other opportunities elsewhere. I think two really stand out for me from an African perspective. The first trip I went to was uh, DRC, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and I was fortunate enough, um, it was a real humbling experience to travel to the east of DRC. Um, and we there were some health and education projects going on, but in the middle of this kind of war-torn um conflict ridden country with a lot of complex um conflicts going on that's affecting uh governance it's affecting life's health you know you name it it's, it's complicated it's not straightforward at all um and i got in the car with a the project officer um, to go and visit. He just said, oh, we're going to go and visit a clinic. And we went out into the kind of, it was beautiful, a stunning area. And we just got to this one village and um, a small child ran up to the car when we arrived and and opened the door. And I always remember him because he was only wearing one welly boot. And that's, it just stuck in my mind. I took a picture of him. And we had our meeting with these uh, clinic staff for the Salvation Army who were serving people uh really in the middle of nowhere under the threat of rebel attack um and but just getting on with their jobs and, and really doing whatever they could for the community around them. And actually where we were there there were some sort of grass huts. And the and the people living in the grass huts were new sort of displaced people. So they said, Oh, there was there was some conflict in their in their village about two or three hours away. So they've ended up here and we're sheltering them and not sure if they'll set up a refugee camp here or they'll go elsewhere. So really in the middle of this. And then I got back to the car. And there's this little boy again with one wellie boot. And you kind of think, oh, cute, you know, African kid or whatever. Um, And I couldn't quite work out what he wanted because most people, you know, want a hug or they want sweets or they want money, you know, this white person in town. But he just opened the car door again and this clinic staff says he wants to welcome the visitors and make sure they're hosted well. And he was this tiny wow. boy and it was just that moment in all this chaos and all the complications of Salvation Army development work. And this one child just really wanted to say mm. um thank you Um Th- yeah thanks for coming to my village yeah. this is what i can offer you i can be a good host and yeah. open your car door for you and it was just yeah it really touched me and it's something that still like even now it kind of i get a bit emotional about it um and yeah it was a real taught me a lot about actually how we should do development oh. Mm, the can. other one was a great peace building project in Kenya East which has spilled onto Zimbabwe but I think you're going to have a podcast Hopefully about a that. Podcast about so that. I won't yeah, go not... on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and so the other thing I was going to ask you Elise was about I mean you've obviously you've seen quite a lot of changes in the ter- in terms of how the Salvation Army yeah. has done its development work yeah. internationally. Yeah. Uh, you've explained a little bit about the structure of the army and mm-hmm. how essentially each territory or country office sits autonomously with ihq kind of coordinating and what what are the real positive changes that you've seen as a global organization in the way that we do international development work well
1: when i was in the role i actually um was part of a group and we sort of launched a a sort of a strategy for the africa zone so we actually measured that kind of progress and and I've been able to have conversations with people about it recently so I can say with confidence that things in the Salvation Army you know are uh, improving and and things are changing and and um a lot of real progress is being made I think um I think is I don't want to be stereotypical or or judgmental but I just think as an organization in the last sort of five to ten years, we've become a lot better at grappling with the tougher issues. So, for example, um, in the past, we might have seen a need and just tried to address the need straight away and, and kind of put a, a plaster over it. But now w- we realise that a lot more it has to be holistic. There's lots of factors going on in... Um, we have to carefully think about these factors and also our role in them. Are we going to make things worse if we start? Are we going to make it better? And for me, that's been a big Uh, overall positive so for example UK have sponsored a lot of work in um, Kenya uh, with their water project so it's not just about we go into a place and and put a borehole or or some kind of water infrastructure down it's now okay what else is going on here associated with the water so there's you know uh, clubs for children that about sanitation and they teach each other and that education is spilled to the adults and their parents Um, and so now a lot more people are taking Uh, their health more seriously because they know all about it but it it starts with something basic and it's grown because people have taken uh, longer time to kind of grapple with deeper and deeper issues so for me Mm. I think that's one real positive change and then there's some other kind of technical stuff around you know project proposals and logical frameworks and um, how we report and kind of a bit boring if you're not into that kind of (laughs) thing but actually over um over the, yeah again, I would say the last five or ten years, there's been some significant progress, and hopefully, those tools aren't just a burden of paperwork, but are actually helping people around the world make the most of the opportunities they have to work together.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's really interesting. And the you know the way that we do development work as an organisation is. Essentially, the Salvation Army is a church. Yes. And I think one of the the confusing things for people and perhaps people listening to this podcast is from the outside looking in, the Salvation Army looks like any other charity or international NGO. Um, You know, name any others Mm -hmm. and you just slot the Salvation Army alongside those big international organizations. But the model of operation is essentially a church doing Mm -hmm. the projects Mm -hmm. and implementing those projects. Mm -hmm. What are the the challenges about being a church-based organisation in the development sector, from what you've seen. Are
1: you going to ask me about the positives next?
0: Yeah, I'll ask okay, you about the great. positives next. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, the challenges, interestingly, and this is a global shift, there's a shift towards people accepting that faith is a crucial part of development. So if you if you want to develop a person physically mentally educationally socially all the aspects that make you up as a person um now people are accepting that also faith spiritual development is a key part of that and that's been a big shift and it's actually happened i think quite quickly in the last three or four years but that has always been a big challenge that oh you're just going to proselytize you're just you'll just work with the christians you won't work with anyone else um so the, the challenge I think is the perception of what people think we do if we say that we're a church. And I think a challenge that people are sometimes scared to say we're a church because then they're feared or they fear that that kind of criticism will come back at them. Um, and, and it is, it is legitimate. It's not kind of just a scaredy cat thing. You know, there are donors that say we will not fund Christian work or you can have our money, but you're not allowed to have staff devotions or so there are, you know, real practical challenges around that. Um, and I, yeah, I think as well, known. everyone's got a different idea of, of, you know, what is allowed and what isn't allowed. So some people are comfortable having a community meeting and finishing that community meeting in prayer, whether there's Muslims there or Catholics or Salvation Army. And, you know, they're happy to say I'm from the Salvation Army and I'm going to, you know, this is what I feel. And other people say, no, absolutely not. We can't show that we're we, you know any sign of christianity we just have to let our actions speak for themselves um so the biggest challenge is finding a balance between you know outward evangelism and 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 only letting actions talk because you can mm. only let your actions talk and people will think you're nice but they they're not always going to know mm. the christian element the of it or, yeah it. the yeah. why you're doing it so getting that balance right is a hard okay but there are some positives. And what, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so,
0: so the positives, about the advantages of yeah, being Yeah, I just
1: think we've got a fantastic... Do you know how many Salvation Army churches there are around the world? I feel like we should know Not this. Not off the top of my head, no. hundreds and hundreds. Hundreds and thousands yeah. um, of course or so churches or other kind of Christian community centres. Um, and they're they embody the life of the community so they always say but the Salvation Army is there before a disaster during a disaster and after a disaster and honestly there's not many any NGOs other organizations that can say that you know if a a, a tsunami or an earthquake happens a lot of NGOs go to the villages to help but they will find that the Salvation Army is already there so I think that long-term presence is really um just yeah an amazing asset and and because of that we are the community and, and we can really come alongside people and journey with them and and take time and and take time to unpack the complex factors um but I would also say b- the other strength to that is just by being that community unit so the more that we can do our, our projects that that if a church identifies issues or challenges in their community. Begins to develop projects to address them, whether they're big or small or whatever. It's the church that owns that, and that local ownership is there. And as that work grows and others get involved, or money from from the UK or other sources comes in, um, always cling on to that that point that actually we're still here. This is this is an amazing um, opportunity of a church to to serve the people around it and really demonstrate the values of of the gospel and, and christ and i think we shouldn't ever forget that we shouldn't become an ngo for mm-hmm. the sake of helping people for the sake of it we should always you know center our work in those local churches mm-hmm. and address what they feel that is the most pressing need in their community mm-hmm. um, And
0: yeah. and a big way of how we do that in terms of the method that we use revolves around faith-based facilitation mm-hmm. or fbf yeah now you were very involved in yes. in the rollout and the training of mm-hmm. that across Africa. First of all, faith-based facilitation. What is it, <laughs> and um, and how do you see that working out in practice in some of the territories that you visited?
1: Oh, all the hard questions, all Ben. The hard, of course. Um, yeah. So, faith-based facilitation, in my mind, is an approach to. Um, reflective um so you take an issue you analyze it work out what's going on there but then you take a step back and you reflect um what actually is it that god wants to do in this situation or or there's lots going on what's the best option what's the best priority and from the from that you plan uh, and then you, you do whatever you plan and then you take time to evaluate and then the circle kind of starts again in that you'll come up with new issues to grapple with. Um, for me, it's wider than just going around that circle uh, and taking those kind of steps. It's about reflection. It's about participatory involvement. So allowing that community member, the young child, uh, the, the person that has a disability, the Muslim, whoever it is around you that also has an influence on 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 that that community issue to have their say and to listen to them and hear their perspective so it's about reflection it's about participation and it's about kind of grassroots and local ownership so as a if if that community can make a group and can really own a solution and if it fails it fails and let's learn something from that and that's but actually more often than not you you'll you find kind of small wins that you can then build on and and begin to make really good changes in, in communities because of that local ownership from the start.
0: Did you see any examples of where it worked really well?
1: To connect it to the UK work, again, in, uh, you supported a project in Kenya um, that was working with gangs. The core officer spoke to the gang members and then was actually led to this guy that was effectively controlling the gang. And because of that, controlling the whole slum and... Um, and broke down relationships, and they just started by playing football. And from that football club, they start. They said, "Oh, can we go to tournaments?" They so went to tournaments, and people laughed at them because they didn't have kit. But they won the tournament, and there's a whole story behind it. But if I had gone in as completely external, and the issue was people living in poverty, um I wouldn't necessarily have thought to think about involving the gangs, or I wouldn't know how to involve the gang members. But then but also I wouldn't have thought oh let's just play some football but what came from that football match you know came a whole series of um volleyball club then the, then the older boys started teaching the younger boys and then they they set up their own little constitution and then they they came and talked to the core officer and ended up doing a community clean up so went around the their slum area and started picking up rubbish and things like that so they kind of the transformation within in and around this, this, uh, the core and the, and the, the s- a small primary school, I think it was that the Salvation Army were trying to run became this really beautiful picture of what community development is. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope I've told that story. Yeah, right. No. I've told bits of it, but yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you've obviously finished your time at IHQ yes. now, moved on, you work, you've worked a little bit independently but yes. now you're also working with the sweden office
1: yes what's
0: your work there and how?
1: so um with the sweden office i'm um like program manager part-time so i um setting up again it's a bit technical but setting up a system of um From a very, if if the Swedish office is contacted with a small idea, someone says, "Oh, I think this might work if we could have this much money, or if we could address this issue. I think this might be a good thing." So right from that small seed to like say that grows into a five year project, and then it's evaluated and closed. And in between, we've raised money and we've done assessments and reporting. I've I've mapped out the entire kind of administrative process for that journey. In
0: a couple of sentences. Well done. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's about like. (laughs) 100 plus pages it's it's quite a lot my poor team now has to kind of try and digest (laughs) it all and go right um so just I think essentially what happens in any organization is people know their jobs they got on with it changes happen and and before you know it things have kind of gone in different directions so they just wanted to have a point to bring that back together um so they asked me to do that and then also I support um different projects that uh, mainly are funded by either the S- swedish salvation army or um cedar which is the international development department for the swedish government um so similar to your role really uh, mm. in that you know sending funds to our partners around the world and learning with them so that's great fun yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Elise, very much for coming onto our podcast. And it's great just to be able to tap into a little bit of your experience. You've got a vast amount of experience. Thank you. Really valuable insight into it. Yeah, well, always welcome and welcome back anytime. Enjoy your travel back to Sweden tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. So, very glad you could come in just for a couple of hours just to speak with us.
1: No worries at all.
0: A big thanks to Elise for sharing her thoughts with us. Do get in touch with your suggestions or comments about topics we can explore in future episodes. As always, you can find more information on our website www.salvationarmy.org.uk ID. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Follow and subscribe for news of upcoming episodes.